Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Ooh, welcome back to the 3 Take, presented by SeatGeek. This is episode 406. I'll be your host, Kyle Corden, and once again, you're riding solo with me. Uh, hope to have Nate back uh, some point in the new year. Um, but wanted to get to this Yoshinobu Yamamoto news. Uh, but before we do that, I hope you enjoyed our last episode, episode 405, our interview with Josh Spores, a good friend of mine, former teammate. Uh, got to talk some World Series. Uh, just get you know talk talking about the the inner details of his experience, his run, his time with the team, what that was like, stuff stuff with, uh, you know, the whole Creed situation, how that took over. Got to talk about what it was like closing out the World Series, the final out, the glove spike, this and that. It was just a great conversation with him. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed our. Uh, 3-0 change up our bonus episode on flying. We had a number of you reach out to us talking about how you relate to this aspect of our conversation or that aspect of our conversation. I I've, I would venture to say that uh, many of you are, are well-traveled. So uh, I, w- I would venture to say we were, we were preaching to the choir with that. Um, hope to bring you some more of those coming up soon. Uh, our content schedule is a little iffy right now. I've, as you can probably tell, I'm coming off a little something. So uh, bear with me in that. I'm I'm not feeling 100%, but still wanted to get to this uh, Yamamoto uh, deal, this just literal groundbreaking deal. Um, so, you know, as I said, appreciate you all listening uh, to the last week or so of content. It's, I know it's been a little up and down, but glad to have you here. Appreciate you tuning in for episode 406. Let's get into it. Yamamoto, 12 years, $325 million. Now, I know you. I know articles have been floating around, tweets have been floating around. You, you know the detail, the majority of the details already. But what you probably didn't know, and I'm going to include myself in that, I don't think we knew that the Dodgers were gearing up for a one-plus-billion-dollar offseason. Nate and I had been talking about it for at least a year, maybe longer, 
in regards to the fact that they were, I, I think you could look at what they were doing and very easily come to the conclusion that, okay, this is a Dodgers team that's punting. They're going to give it a go in 2023, which they did, you know, that, I mean, they, they put together enough of a team uh, that, that was uh, worthy of competing in the postseason. But I think you could look at that team and know what they're capable of doing, what they've been able to do in the past and go, they're not putting out their best product. And it was because they were gearing up for Shohei. They go out, they get Shohei, $700 million. Um, and you're thinking, okay, you know, they got their piece. That's that's what they've been they've been uh kicking the can down on down the road for, and they got their guy. And then the Yamamoto the Yamamoto sweepstakes get get churning a little bit. The the stove gets a little hot, the rumors start floating around. The uh, the theme of the offseason this year has been incorrect reports. You get the incorrect reports floating around. You, I mean, I just, I just found out the other day that apparently, and this flew under the radar for me, there was some ESPN reporter or writer or co-host or something. I, maybe it was the Pat McAfee show. Maybe it was like a, a he was a guy on that show. Um that was reporting that Yamamoto had signed a, what was it? A nine year deal with the, the Yankees a nine, 10 year deal with the Yankees. It, I, I hate to say, but similar with the Shohei, and I'm not trying to rewrite, I'm not trying to go all revisionist history here, but it almost seems like it was too, it was too predictable. It almost seemed like it was too predictable. The Yamamoto was going to end up with the Dodgers. It was either, uh, as we got down to crunch time, it was either going to be the Dodgers, the Mets, or the Yankees. Because I think those are the only three teams that were realistically willing to foot that kind of bill, especially for a guy who hasn't seen a major league mound in his life. So he ends up with the Dodgers, 12 years, $325 million. It pushes the Dodgers spending, as I mentioned, this offseason over $1 billion, And that's for two guys. Two guys. Now, look, I don't know. I, I don't know who you're a fan of if you're listening to this. I don't know who you're a fan of, but I would venture to say the team that you're a fan of was not in the sweepstakes for Yamamoto and safe to say, presumably not in the sweepstakes for Shohei. So this has been really just a spectator sport of an off season for you. You just sitting back and enjoying the show. However, I will say I have seen a lot, a lot of commentary from the, we'll call them fringe teams. We'll say, uh, well, I mean, the more I'm hearing about what the Red Sox approach this offseason is, I'm I'm starting to lean more and more in, into the camp that we were never really in on the on Shohei or Yamamoto, sadly. Uh, but teams that were were possibly interested in acquiring Yamamoto, obviously at a, at a lesser clip, uh, a lesser bill than than Otani. Uh, a lot of a lot of commentary from fans of those teams saying. You know, this guy, 
b- before he signed with the Dodgers, you know, this guy is going to be electric. Whoever lands this guy, I mean, talk about a uh, a punch in the arm, a shot in the arm for that rotation, whoever this guy ends up with. And then he signs with the Dodgers, and now all of a sudden we're rewriting the script. That's been my biggest takeaway from from this from the uh, Yamamoto uh, ordeal that has now reached its conclusion. Desert uh, Desert Doyer on Twitter actually put out a great tweet the other day. He said, "Everyone wanted Otani till he signed with the Dodgers. Now it's more like why pay that much for a DH only? Everyone wanted Yamamoto till he signed with the Dodgers. Now it's more like why pay that much for a guy who has never pitched uh, has never pitched in the MLB." I don't I don't know how many more times I can tell you. This offseason, I feel like more than any other offseason has peeled back the layers, has revealed to us just how hypocritical baseball fans can be. And this offseason has also showed us just how worthless baseball reporters are. But that's 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 besides the point. My point about the, the, the fans of these teams, though, I is it takes me back to Bryce Harper and not to not to just unnecessarily loop Bryce Harper in this conversation, but if you remember, I put out a tweet a while ago, and I've referenced it multiple times on here, but I put out a tweet a number of years ago. It was when he was looking to sign his his uh, long-term extension to get his back. And I said, nobody is going to want Bryce Harper until their team signs him, and then they'll be first in line to buy his jersey. He signs with the Phillies. He goes out the next 48 hours and sets the the jersey record for most jerseys sold within a 48-hour span. The same kind of thing is happening with Shohei and with Yamamoto. Everybody wanted this guy. It, it's it's a little bit different, but it's the, the sentiment is the same. Everybody wanted this guy or these guys until they saw that the Dodgers were the only team that was really willing to to foot the bill. And now the narrative is flipped. The script is flipped. And we're just burying these guys. We're burying Yamamoto saying, well, he's never he's never seen an MLB mound. How reliable can this guy really be? It, it, there's really only one situation, really only one outcome here. And it's that he's going to be a bust because what other scenario would you would you see playing out with a guy that's never pitched in Major League Baseball and you sign him for 12 years? That's That's what people are saying now. That's what people are saying now. But yet we were waiting on pins and needles waiting for this guy to sign. Similar to Shohei with the track and the flights, track and restaurant reservations. People wanted to know, is this guy going to a, a Los Angeles Rams game? If, you, if the guy is going to be a bust, why do we care as baseball fans? Let me ask you that. Why do we care? We shouldn't. If, if, that's, how you, if that's how you think about him, or if, that, if that's how you view him, we shouldn't care about things like that. But it just goes to show you how hypocritical baseball fans can be and i know i'm going to include myself in that i know at times i can be like that but i think as somebody who realistically 
didn't really view my team necessarily as a as a a realistic suitor i was able to sit back and and watch this play out with fans from the mets the yankees so on and so forth now i mentioned the mets and yankees and i and i'm and i talk about teams that were realistically on the sky should the should the reporting be accurate what we know is that the Dodgers obvious their their final offer was 325 the Mets final offer was 325 and the Yankees final offer was 300 million now my question for the Yankees is and i and i read that they were quoted as saying that they felt it was a compa- I want to I want to say the word they used was competitive, a competitive and fair offer. If you go through the process of acquiring Juan Soto and you get the wheels turning on the narrative for your team that you're trying to rebuild the image of the empire, to restore that image, to get your team back to a a a place in the game where you're revered, you're respected, you're feared. Because quite frankly, I don't, you're, you're not there yet. You're, you're closer, but you're not there yet. Why are you not blowing every other team out of the water? I genuinely, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Why are you, if you're the Yankees, why are you not blowing every team out of the water? Because honestly, my opinion, my honest, humble opinion, is that the Mets, regardless how much money, unless they threw $500 million at this guy, that honestly, probably $500 million would have been the threshold for Yamamoto to look at that and be like, I mean, I guess, like, I'm not going to do much winning there, but how can you say no to $500 million? The Mets, with their realistic offers, again, short of $500 million, we're never, in my mind, going to be a serious contender in these sweepstakes because it's been documented that you're punting on this year already. It's been leaked. It's been reported. It's it's very clear based on the construction of your team right now that you're not serious about 2024. So how is that? How is that a a point of bargaining if you're the Mets? How can you how can you rest back on your laurels of <laughs> essentially nothing that you've accomplished over the last number of years? How can you sit back and think that that's an a, an attractive destination? How can you think that you're an attractive destination for a guy like Yamamoto? Because I don't know I don't know who all is in his camp, but I would venture to say that the people that are his runners, if you will, the people that I would imagine he already had over here in the United States doing doing their research, running the numbers, this and that. I'm sure they caught wind of of what happened with the Mets in, in their situation this year, and they probably heard, yikes, the Mets are not necessarily serious about their situation for 2024 and possibly even 2025, depending upon what they do over the next calendar year. 
So unless you're willing to throw half a billion dollars at this guy, which I I don't think even Steve Cohen would do, as good as I think Yamamoto is is hopefully going to be for the Dodgers and for baseball, the reality is he still hasn't thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball. So I don't think the Mets were ever going to throw anything stupid at Yamamoto. So with that said, if you're the Yankees, I I think I would venture to say that a, a vast majority of people probably saw the Yankees as favorites. And I know I mentioned that it was, uh, I was talking about it being a little predictable with the Dodgers. And I only say that just from the sense of, of resources of from money, um, from a markability standpoint, a, uh, the, the ability that they have to sell him on LA, especially now that they have Shohei. I mean, a match made in heaven, if there ever was one, bringing both of those guys on board. They, if you're the Yankees, you just would have had to have blown that offer out of the water. Because I, and I don't think, I don't think you have, you would have to spend $500 million like the Mets probably would have to, to overcome the barrier of not necessarily being an attractive destination right away. Because I think if you're the Yankees, you could easily, and I'm sure Cashman, Cashman and whoever else was was at the table for those meetings. They they could make very clear, like, look, we well, there's a vision here. It's it's you know it's been a little bumpy. We haven't we haven't exactly done what we set out to do over the the last handful of years. But there there are pieces in place. We have guys locked down, and we want to add you to that list, and we want you to be a part of this. The, the sales ability of that is is pretty easy in my mind. But you you just would have had, in my mind, to spend a little bit more than what the Dodgers were willing to do. But you didn't even match them. Forget about exceeding what they, they offered. You didn't even match them. And it wasn't even it wasn't even necessarily close. $25 million. I don't know. What we do know, though, is that this uh, this contract is the largest deal for pitcher in years and value in Major League history. Ironically, it passes Garrett Cole's contract of guaranteed money of three hundred twenty-four million. Passes that by one million, which is just you know that it's a little poetic. Um, and I'm not I'm not trying to like. Not trying to kick the Yankees while they're down because I'm in no place to do that, and I'll be the first to admit that. I just think it's I just think it's a little ironic, a little funny that Yamamoto gets the largest contract and guaranteed money for a pitcher. And who does he top? Garrett Cole. That's all I'm gonna say. I just think it's I just think it's funny. That's all. Uh the other things that we do know about Yamamoto, and we've we've mentioned these before, but just in case you need a little refresher, he's won three consecutive MVP awards and Sawamore awards. Uh, it's the MPB's equivalent of the Cy Young. And over 820 and a third innings, he's posted a 165 and struck out nearly five times as many hitters as he's walked and allowed one home run every 28 innings. I know, I know a thing that uh, a point of discussion that we've had on this podcast before is the the 
the translation of Japanese baseball to the major leagues and how we can safely say, based on the sample size that we have over the last, go back however many years you want to go. You want to talk post-2000. The gap has narrowed drastically, which means that the concern for that translation of skill and ability to hang in a 162 schedule year after year has it's dwindled that gap is n- not nearly as much of a concern anymore and we've we're seeing it through guys like Shohei and I think if you're a Dodgers fan you should be able to rest easy one because you essentially have like a super team right now for one that that's just a an aside but two if there was a concern about Yamamoto you if you again if you're a Dodgers fan and you're hearing all these people talking about well he has no experience how can we really know if he's going to be capable of of doing what he did over there over here look the reality is we don't know we don't know for sure but I think you can you can look at this and go this isn't like 30, 40 years ago where maybe the gap is a little wider. We're at a point now where I think that Yamamoto is going to come over here. It, it may, it, there, there may be a little bit of a learning curve because you, always, you, you hear so much about their routines and their regiments and their training and their schedules and how it is a little bit difficult to... I mean. Think about as just like an average everyday citizen, a non-major league baseball player. Think of how how much of a challenge it would be for you to pick up your life where you're at right now with all your rhythms, all your routines, all your regiments, your schedules, your preferences. You you uproot that and you go overseas and you get dropped in the middle of wherever and they say, okay, be the same person that you were back home. Like that's... There are some challenges that come with that. I don't care if you're getting 325 million. I don't care if you're getting 700 million if you're Shohei. The the money to me isn't a factor. It, the reality of it is that that's a challenge. And especially a younger guy like Yamamoto is, there's still some learning to be done. So I I think he'll be able to come over and give you quality start after quality start. I think it would be naive to think that he's going to come over here and just light the world on fire. But the beautiful thing about it is, is there's potential for that because of how good he is. So with that said, we will see how that translates. But I'm, as just a general baseball fan, I I think I'm safely at the point where I'm past the window of concern for, for situations like this where you get a guy that, again, never seen the mound in Major League Baseball, I think he'll be fine. Um, I, mentioned, I mentioned a super team. I use that phrase. That phrase has been thrown around a lot re- uh, in the last 48, 72 hours. Look, I, I don't want to pretend that I haven't just been 
glazing the Dodgers for the last week, week and a half. They they have done what a lot of baseball fans wished their team did. Identify an asset, go out, do what you have to do to acquire said asset, whether that's money, whether that's trade. They just do it. They don't, they're not thrown in these articles haphazardly as an interested party. They're the front runner of for these for these free agents, for these top name elite players in the game. And there's a lot of envy that comes with that around baseball. And people don't want to admit it, but they look at the situation that the Dodgers are in. And they, they just want to bash it. It's the same thing, depending upon how old you are. You might remember it the same way with the Yankees back in the day, where the reason people hated the Yankees is just because they would go out and buy player. They'd buy the best talent, and they would go out and win. And people hated that. The difference is, at that point in time, the Yankees were one of the few teams willing to do that. Now, more teams have more resources. There's more money involved that a team like the Dodgers is. There's potential for the, a team like the Dodgers to be a little bit diluted among the field because these you have these billionaires who have the money, but they they want to keep it like it's. It's early 2000s Major League Baseball. They want to keep it that way. They want it to be, well, let's let's just look at the Dodgers and and point fingers at them for ruining the game. I'm I wouldn't be surprised if these owners are the ones that are I'm I'm surprised they don't have like they don't have like aliases or pen names or whatever that they're penning these uh, that they're writing these reports under talking about how the Dodgers are bad for baseball because it makes them look bad. It makes these owners who have just boku bucks that don't want to spend it and they want to rally the support of their fan base through whatever means necessary to look at a team like the Dodgers and, you know, a team like the Mets in, in, in years past. They want to look at teams like that and go, it's killing the game. It's killing the sport. Yes, they may have a quote-unquote super team right now. But don't be upset at the... This is a a two-pronged discussion here. One, don't be upset at the Dodgers for doing what you wish your team did. You wish your team had Otani. You wish your team had Yamamoto. Because remember, don't... You can't be upset at the Dodgers for spending money on Yamamoto because it's not your money. Stop being upset. As baseball fans, we need to stop being upset at the money that these owners and these front offices are spending on guys because it's not your money. Stop being upset. Stop acting like it's coming out of your wallet. You're acting like these Chipotle employees that act like the grains of rice that they're putting in your bowl are coming out of their paycheck. Stop. The other other element of this two-pronged discussion is 
have we not learned anything? Uh, look, the, the purpose of this conversation is to applaud what the Dodgers are doing, but also present to you, the listener, a little bit of cautious hesitancy to jump into thinking that the Dodgers are chalk for a title in 2024. Because have we not learned anything from the last, I mean, you, you could say ever, but just for conversation's sake, the last handful of years where you have a team like the Padres, you have a team like the Dodgers, I mean, pre-2023, obviously, or pre-2023 off-season Dodgers, where they just look like a shoe-in. The Padres look like a shoe-in. The Mets look like a shoe-in. They're everybody's favorite to win the World Series on opening day. How, how do those things pan out? You can have all the talent. You can have all the names. You can have the manager that you think is the, the fix, the solution, the guy that you think will best lead your team to a title. You can have all the contracts. You can have millions and million, half a billion dollars tangled up in, in guys that are running around on the field out there for you. And how does it pan out? It doesn't. It doesn't. And even though, even though you have Shohei and Yamamoto as the Dodgers, in addition to guys like Mookie, Freddie, Walker Bueller, guys like that, it doesn't mean that they're going to win the World Series. And that's just the reality of it. Nobody knows what's going to happen next year. And you say, Kyle, come on. Look at that lineup and tell me that the Dodgers aren't winning the World Series in 2024. Look at, look at the 2023 Diamondbacks and tell me that you thought they had any chance of making the World Series. It's, it's a revolving door each year of there's a team that we think is capable of running the table. And more times than not, they put together a quality campaign. But you got to get through the gauntlet of October. And if you look at the Angels who had Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, you saw the Angels craft a team that didn't even make the postseason, much less win a World Series. Mike Trout has made it to the postseason. I mean, not to, not not trying to throw strays at the angels here, but Mike Trout made it to the postseason once. And I know that the 2024 Dodgers are different than the, the, the late 2010s and early 2020s angels. I know that. But just because a team acquires a name or names in this scenario, it doesn't mean that they're chalked. I, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Literally nobody knows what's going to happen from year to year. And it's foolish. Like we, we can sit there and, and make our predictions, make our picks, have, have fun with it. Say, oh, it's Sharpie, this and that. I've said that before and I've looked like an idiot because that's how baseball works. 
nobody and i mean nobody there may be like a screenshot of somebody putting in a a parlay on opening day last year that had the rangers and the the d-backs in the world series probably but realistically percentage wise that percentage of people that thought the rangers and the diamondbacks were going to make the world series started with a zero it may have been 0.0000000001 but that percentage started with a zero and for good reason because it shouldn't have ended up that way but that's baseball so all that to say don't don't sharpie the pot, the the dodgers in for a world series title but on the flip side, give them the respect that they're due. You should be happy as a baseball fan with what the Dodgers are doing. It's better for baseball. Stop with the salary cap nonsense. How, how is a baseball fan, is that your answer for this? You want teams to be cut off from going after guys like this. You would rather your cheap owner be able to sleep easier at night knowing that he doesn't have to spend as much to compete or to attempt to compete with other teams in the league. You want him to be okay with going, all right, we've got some of these teams at bay now. We don't have to worry about them just running away, spending a billion dollars in an offseason. Why are you siding with your cheap owners? Be better as a baseball fan. You should be looking at what the Dodgers are doing and applauding it. You should be looking at what the Braves are doing. I mean, <laughs> completely different situation. But you should be looking at what the Braves are doing. Again, little different approach, but they identify their assets and they lock them down. And I know I've, I've railed on the Braves time and time again for that. But they have some sort of black magic down there. I don't know what they're doing, but it comes down to identifying their needs, identifying what they want, and securing them, and giving their team the best chance to win a World Series. Not just for one year, but for a window of years. And so that's what the Dodgers are doing. That's what the Braves are doing. How you can look at your owners, of the, if you're a fan of these, these poverty franchises, how you can look at your owners and go, hey, I'm going to come to your defense. We need to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we as fans of the fill in the blank team, we're going to continue to contribute to the narrative that we need a salary cap. We need a salary floor. We need to weed out, this is me talking, we we need a salary floor. We need to weed out the owners who are unwilling and uninterested in putting a even remotely competitive product on the field because they're just trying to turn a profit. The reason if you're if you're a fan of the Reds, if you're a fan of honestly the Red Sox right now and you're feeling frustrated because you just don't feel like your team is being put in a position to win, to compete, to be even entertaining at the very least, forget being competitive. Like I just want guys that 
to have recognizable names. That's, that's all I'm asking. If you're feeling that kind of frustration, it's not because of what the Dodgers are doing. Don't point it. Don't point your fingers at the Dodgers and blame the Dodgers. It's because you're a fan of a team that has no interest in adopting even a fraction of that approach. And that's sad. You don't want that. Baseball isn't better off with a salary cap. You need a salary floor. You need to require these owners to actually spend the money that they have. Like, if you're only acquiring a sports franchise to add it to your portfolio, get out of the game. I'm not saying you have to go out and spend a billion dollars in an offseason. But, like, maybe a million. Change the B to an M. And that is that is that too much to ask? There are literal teams this offseason who have not spent a dime. What are we doing? It's almost the end of the year and you haven't spent a dime? I I just don't understand it. I never will understand it. And I can I can sit here and acknowledge and admit that I'm no business owner. I in in a billionaire sense, I'm no I'm no money making mogul. I'm I don't have a portfolio that I'm trying to add various sports franchises to. But just as a as a regular old baseball fan, I can look at this and it's pretty black and white. It's pretty simple. If you're not interested in investing and improving and presenting a competitive product, why are you doing it? You could do that in just about any other industry and get away with it. It doesn't work in sports. People care too much on the outside. And when I say on the outside, I'm talking fans. We care too much. We spend too much time, too much money, too much energy. We invest too much to support a team, an organization, a franchise, whatever it may be, to not have that reciprocated. That's all we ask. We just want it. We just want the favor returned. Like we'll gladly hand over our money. Like they talk like the, that monologue in Field of Dreams. We'll gladly hand over our money without even thinking about it. But all we ask is that as these, as an owner, that you just return the favor, bare minimum. Again, we're not talking about Yamamoto. We're not talking about Otani. But at the very least, like, can you just go out and get a, a regular guy, spend maybe a few cents? That's all we ask. All I know is, though, my friends, I'm, I'm glad this is over. I'm hoping, talking about going out and getting guys, I'm hoping that this move, this Yamamoto uh, acquisition opens the floodgates a little bit. I, I, I use floodgates lightly because I know that the market is, it's a little thin. It's 
you could maybe even say a little top heavy uh but i i think it's pretty easy to acknowledge that this was what was holding everything up post shohei um so now that we've got this out of the way i'm hoping these moves start rolling in i'd like to see i'd really like to see some more trades honestly because because of the market being a little uh thin as it is i mean depending upon which which position you're looking at it's a little more thin uh than elsewhere around the diamond but i'm just glad it's over man i'm i i think we're safely we've reached the threshold of players that we don't need to be tracking flights for we can just kind of sit back and let the headlines come in as they will because I think Yamamoto was the last guy we were really checking reports and tweets to see if he was going to be at a football game. So, like I said, I, I, I hope we're at that point. I I think we're at that point. Um, but can we say the Dodgers are done? I mean, can can we assume that? Or is that... Is that a dangerous risk to assume that the Dodgers are done? Because right now, you're looking at, for the rotation at least, you're looking at Yamamoto, Bueller, Glasnow, Bobby Miller, and Emmett Sheehan. I'm sure there have been conversations in that front office that look at that rotation and go, it's good, it's not good enough. Whereas there's probably there's probably fans of teams around baseball that are looking at that and going, uh, I would take that every day and twice on Sunday. But look, man, the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers are they're a little I don't want to say insulted, but you know, they had to take it there for a year or two where they were sitting back, punting, waiting for this offseason, knowing that these guys were coming down the pipe and that they knew that they were going all in. They had to sit back and kind of take it in the in that division a little bit. Not necessarily the outcome of, of who won the division or, or whatever, but just the commentary surrounding that division going, you know, the pot when the Padres were coming up were up and coming. You're, they're going all right maybe and i think i think we even contributed to that narrative a little bit too where it's like all right maybe this is the padres it's finally time for the padres to make their run in this division for the years to come you know and the dodgers kind of just had to sit there and take it they go you know like we're just gonna we're gonna play our hand close to the vest here we're gonna sit back and let it play out as it will, and you'll hear from us in uh, December of 2023. And here we are. Um, but I, like I said, I I think we're at a point where we can assume that major moves for the Dodgers are done, short of like a trade or something like that. I just I don't know who else you would go out and get if you're the Dodgers. Um, but. <sighs> You know, it is what it is. I just hope that this offseason picks up a little bit. I mean, I know it'll probably hit a little bit of a lull here now that we're we're at Christmas, we're heading into the new year. And that's okay. I'm not I'm not 
if I was in a front office, I surely wouldn't want to have to be working overtime to try to make a deal so I can I can appease some podcaster. But as front offices, if you're out there listening, can you just can you just like assure us baseball fans that once the new year hits, we can get things going again because it's been a little bit of a little uh, a little bit of a disappointment is maybe a little quite an understatement actually because it's it's been slow as we waited for Shohei for Yamamoto but now that we're there now that now that we've checked those boxes I just we just need to see moves start being made that's all we need to see uh checks being slid across the table we need to see trades being made because we're at that time of year as I'm sure you're well aware that uh we just need something as baseball fans especially if you're if your team missed out on these guys it's like we waited all this time and for what like if you're a if you're a Mets fan you're like we waited all this time for what what do we have to show for it nothing but a couple of reports about possibly extending Pete Alonso it's it's slow we're at that point I'm 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 gonna tell you we've done this for how many years now and it's the same every year even when you inject it with the Shohei or a Yamamoto it gets to the same point every offseason where it's like please just do something and I just I hope in about a week week plus that we can we can get to that point um trying to think i think that just about excuse me i think that just about covers it um again thanks for uh thanks for being patient with us um there's just a lot going on right now but uh hoping hoping with the new year um get back to a little bit of normalcy uh you may or may not hear from the podcast by the end of the new year it might i mean if who knows maybe some of these teams start uh they try to try to get in their their homework assignment before the bell meaning the end of the end of the year maybe we see something in the next week or two in between christmas or new year's or christmas and new year's so if that's the case then maybe you'll hear from us but uh don't want to make any promises yet but ultimately just wanted to get to you guys to talk Yamamoto uh get some get some thoughts out there add to the conversation that I'm sure is swirling around in your head um because I'm sure <laughs> look I feel for I feel for you if you missed out on Yamamoto you're probably still reeling a little bit going well where do we pivot to next uh so just wanted to put some put some uh, perspective out there for you uh and again thank you for checking out our episode with josh Spores. uh if you haven't please go back and listen to that or pull it up on youtube it's on youtube you can get catch the interview there um talked about a lot of good stuff there as i mentioned and then the the 3 change up bonus episode where we talked about the experience of flying and traveling uh so hope to have more of those coming for you in the coming weeks coming months as we continue to trek through this off season. 
But uh, other than that, I believe that's it. So Merry Christmas to those of you out there. Happy New Year if you don't hear from us again before then. Uh, Just take it easy, folks. Just sit back. Don't stress about work. Don't stress about money. Don't stress about gifts. Don't stress about plans. Just enjoy time with your loved ones. Enjoy time with your pets. Enjoy time that you have where you don't have to stress about the team that you're a fan of struggling day after day, night after night, like you presumably will have to do come March, April, May. Just enjoy this time. Be grateful. Think about think about what you've been blessed with. Just take this time to sit back, reflect, and as I said, enjoy some time with your loved ones. Maybe maybe flip on the pod every now and then if you got an hour or so to spare. But just take it easy, folks. Uh think that'll about do it. Again, thank you guys for listening and uh appreciate your support of the show. We love you all, and as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.